Welcome to our Ableism podcast for CSJ Marking Period 2. Today, our episode is going to focus on ABA therapy, a therapy for people with autism. ABA stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. Defined by centerofautism.com, ABA is the practice of applying the psychological principles of learning theory in a systematic way to alter behavior in humans or animals. The practice is used extensively in education, healthcare, and animal training and business management. In simpler terms, ABA uses controlled or changed environment and repetition to change behaviors in kids with autism. Usually, these actions are used to change behaviors that are considered abnormal to our society. And ABA can sometimes force kids to conform to societal definitions of typical, normal, or functioning. There are five aspects of ABA, and they are task analysis, chaining, prompting, fading, and shaping. ABA is a very controversial topic, as it is very useful for some kids, but can also be harmful to others. ABA is known mainly as a treatment for children with autism, but the possibilities for it definitely don't end there. It can be used for adolescents and adults with autism as well. There are no age limits, and it does not lose its effectiveness after a certain age. There is an argument, however, that ABA makes kids too compliant. On further investigation, we found that ABA therapy is used very near us, and surprisingly, there's an institution a few blocks away. Not sure if you've ever heard of this, but the Daron School on Grove Street is a private school for young adults with special needs, ages 13 to 21. We reached out to the Daron School's second campus. There is another campus at the Daron School in Union, New Jersey, the same type of private school, but for kids 5 to 21. The principal, Ms. Grotto, agreed to sit for a phone interview with us. She confirmed that the Daron School in Union utilizes ABA therapy a lot. Okay, so we're about to call the Daron School. This is Marisa. Hi, it's Anna and Sadie. Hi. Hi, Anna. Hi, Sadie. How are you? Good. How, how are, are you? you? Good. Good. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, would you do you want to just go into the questions for our interview? Sure. Sure. I suppose. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I appreciate you. that. Sure. Okay, um, so we were wondering if we could ask you some questions about ABA therapy in general and how it plays out at the Daron School. Sure. First, we were wondering um, how you would define ABA. Wow, that's an interesting question. So ABA is multifaceted, and it's just the science of behavior and using that science to um, either decrease unwanted behaviors or increase desired behaviors. What would be unwanted behaviors, like self-harm and stuff? Um, Any maladaptive behaviors um, that would, um, sure, be, um, you know, unsafe, so eloping, Mm -hmm. um, self-injurious behaviors, um, biting oneself, um, uh, kicking, hitting, spitting, anything that's out of, um, you know, the social norm or anything that, you know, behaviors that... um, would be unacceptable in a school setting that would hinder a student from um, fully participating in their um, educational experience. Right. Okay. Um, How do you use it at the Daron School? Are there specific time periods of the day that you have ABA therapy or... No, we do not utilize that method. Um, For the most part, we utilize natural environment teaching. Okay. um, And we will utilize ABA to the degree that a student requires it. So for our younger students, they do engage in some discrete trials. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the student gets older and more independent, um, 
we kind of start phasing out of that discrete trial um, program book. Um, we continue to take data as the student participates in a group setting. Um, and as they get older and more independent, we're still using some degree of ABA um, topics that would, would be um, motivators, reinforcers, uh, preference assessments. Um, in, the, in the broad sense, ABA is um, a term that can cover a lot of things that just happen in the natural environment. So um, I love what I do every day, but I'm not sure that I would come to work if I was, was not getting paid. So a lot of times we just have to find out what are the things that are going to motivate our students mm -hmm. and then put those things in place. And so there's kind of cause and effect. If you complete work, you will earn X, Y, or Z. Um, it's really just mimicking real life. And so that doesn't, um, I don't think people tend to think of that as being ABA, but it right. is to a degree. Right, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, thank you. So they each have like sure. an, like, you kind of formulate a plan for each child to see what works best for them. Yes, it's, so it's a multi-layered um, plan. For some students coming in, they'll have a behavior plan. Um, and in that behavior plan, um, you know, there'll be all these strategies, but they also have a program book where they're working on, like I said, discrete trials. Mm -hmm. um, but also there is, you can, you know, call it some degree of ABA. Every classroom also has a class-wide plan that, um, for how they're going to motivate um, all of the students in their class for a set of behaviors that are acceptable in that classroom and for that teacher. And then there's school-wide plans. So it's multifaceted. Okay. So there's individual class-wide and school-wide plans. Cool, cool. Um, what are some positive effects of ABA that you see at the Daron School? Well, it's science, so there's, um, you know, you're taking data and you are making decisions based on data and it's, um, you know, it's less subjective. Um, you know, there, there's certainly some aspects of it that are subjective, um, but um, you're making informed decisions about um, some behaviors that, you know, can be very, um, can elicit some real emotional responses from people. And so when you begin to look at it from a scientific perspective, um, it, it removes that emotional piece for the professional working with that child. Right. Okay. So that you can have greater outcomes for the, you know, greater outcomes for the child instead of being offended or hurt, um, you begin to look at data and numbers, the, the reasoning behind the behavior, and then, um, you know, there's less guesswork about, well, how do I decrease this negative or maladaptive behavior, or how do I increase, um, you know, the language that I'm looking to, to see from this student. If there's less guesswork, less emotion involved, um, and, and emotion from a negative standpoint, I would say. So, yeah. um, definitely more opportunities for growth. Mm -hmm. So, when working with, like, typically developing kids, I've often seen, like, similar tactics used to, like, reinforce positive behaviors and mm -hmm. negative behaviors. What is, like, the, I guess, the difference between how you would handle um, this with a typically developing child versus with a child with special needs? Mm -hmm. So that's a great question. Um, I have two of my own biological children, mm -hmm. uh, a 10-year-old and 
um, an almost three-year-old. Um, and you can certainly use ABA principles on, on any person, um, on any child, um, and it's just a matter of what principles of ABA you would use more. So, uh, for example, if you, um, you know, want somebody to, um, if you enjoy somebody complimenting you or, you know, you're going to give them positive feedback every time they give you a compliment, thank you so much. I really appreciate you pointing out that you like my dress. Um, so that that person's going to be more inclined to um, do that again. Oh, she really liked that. Next time I'll remember to do that. So typically developing children, I find, pick up on those social cues a little bit quicker than students with disabilities. And so they tend to pick up a little quicker and you don't have to go into, um, you don't often don't have to go into the depth of, um, you know, the data collection and things like that. It's a little bit easier to figure out the function of the behavior. However, the con you know, the, the opposite is true in that with typically developing students, I tend to see more of a, um, a need to venture over onto the side of consequences. So we utilize a lot of positive reinforcement with students with disabilities because um, they are motivated by those positive, um, you know, by the things that, that are of interest to them. Typically developing students have more of, um, you know, the behaviors like, well, you know what, you want to offer me that? I've changed my mind. I don't want that anymore. Gotcha. They're a little bit, you know, will look to kind of circumvent the system that you have in place. And so you often um, kind of find yourself going over to the other end. And that, that's also a part of ABA. Consequences is a part of ABA. But I see that that's an aspect that's used a little bit more so with typically developing children. Right. right. Cool. Did that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> About yeah, that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, we just have a few more questions. One, yeah, no problem. I've heard that it's an argument that um, ABA can make kids compliant. Um, how do you make sure that uh, people with disabilities know when it is safe to be compliant and when it is not safe to be compliant? Does that make sense? Because there are situations yeah, be, mm -hmm, where it's Sure. These are excellent questions. Um, so you're... If I understand you correctly, you're not asking about this um, debate over whether ABA can make a child kind of robotic. You're not asking that. What you're asking, if I understand correctly, is um, to ensure compliance, but in a dangerous situation, not to kind of take direction from a stranger yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Okay. So that's really important. And we have to um, understand the order of skills that a student, you know, needs to receive, inf you know, you need an order in which you receive information. So you're not going to learn division before you learn simple addition. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the first things that we have to work on with our students is just attending, you know, how to sit down in a chair, how to sit down mm -hmm. at um, a desk. And so to think that you can teach, you know, um, a student who comes in with severe, um, you know, learning disabilities um, and a behavioral component and then start talking about, you know, stranger danger is not really reasonable or logical. Right. Right. Um, so at a certain point in time, although we do, I have to say, we are at the 
forefront, I would like to think, in New Jersey with our um, community-based instruction here. So we start community-based instruction at age five, and we do bring students out into the community. Okay. Um, and, you know, this is something that we try to start probably earlier than most other schools because of the importance of it. Mm -hmm. um, but everything has to be, you know, um, started at a time when a child is able to kind of receive that information. And our feeling here is, well, if we don't bring our five-year-olds out to the mall, they have no concept of even what happens if I run away. Right. What is the feeling that I get when I don't see anybody? So there certainly is an order of um, operations, if you will, an order in which you need to teach things. Um, but we do aim to ready a child um, as soon as possible, just from when they enter into the Daron School to get them ready to start teaching those lessons. Okay. Yeah. And those are social skills development and, um, you know, safety in the community and recognizing, you know, being able to understand how to call for help. And so right. that's a multifaceted approach yeah. that we would take. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Two more questions, I think. One, okay. um, this is kind of from our social justice perspective, as some may say, but... Um, do you think that ABA enforces societal norms of ability? Like, yeah. Do I think that ABA um, reinforces social norms? Like, that, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, like, um, how society has this idea that people should be a certain way, and mm -hmm. I think from from what we've heard from you, it's more about like safety and functioning and an environment um mm -hmm. but we wanted to know your opinions on like if it's like i guess you could say like abuse i don't want to use that word but like i understand i yes i understand and that is um you know for many many years at the daron school um it was a conscious decision to not utilize aba techniques gotcha. mm -hmm. um kind of before i came on um and my thought was there are certainly, there's certainly a great value to utilizing ABA. Our mission at the Daron School is to bring every student to their greatest level of independence. Right. Yeah. So independence means um, self-care, um, you know, being able to make a decision about what you want, not necessarily what kind of fits into society. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So we do promote independence, but there is a fine line, and I think if you're not actively talking about mm -hmm. what it is that you just asked me, there is a danger to kind of just want to use ABA to kind of visit, yes, fit into kind of social norms, and, and that is not that that's not necessarily always appropriate yeah. um, but in some instances it certainly is and we mm -hmm. can say that you know it's it's totally okay for a six-year-old to do such and such and such in public and in all actuality we all know that six-year-olds should not do certain things in public mm -hmm. right. so to a degree it's it's needed you need some sort of social norms right. yeah. but mm -hmm. if you're not careful and you're not talking about this and you're not addressing where is that fine line between helping a child to develop a sense of independence and just kind of 
knowing, you know, recognizing their own individual feelings, yes, there's a danger to kind of cross over that line. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Thank you. Um, sure. Okay, last question. Do you know of any alternatives to ABA? Like, what are some other forms of education for kids with special needs? And is ABA, in your opinion, the most progressive form of education? Um, I know that there are, yes, I do know of many other techniques. I, I can't say that I subscribe to them mm-hmm. because we have developed our own unique way of utilizing ABA. And so um, we are a very unique program. We will not say that we only run discrete trials or we only utilize natural environment right. teaching. Right. I think it's really, really, really important that you look at each child as an individual and put programs in place that are specific to that child. And and when you really, and that's a very, um, you know, kind of cliche, uh, you know, just everybody says that. But if you really want to do that, that takes a lot of work, a lot of huge, huge effort from a ton of people. And I think that's where we really succeed Mm -hmm. is that, we really do take a team approach and look at each and every individual and create a separate program for every single student because we are so cognizant of the fact that we don't we're not we don't want to raise up robots yeah yeah you know we do just want you know help each and every child get to their greatest potential their greatest level of independence so i know that there are other um you know, methods, there's this floor time theory, um, there's many other, I just, I don't subscribe to them because I feel that you have to use the science behind ABA and then apply it where it's appropriate. Right. So yeah. it's kind of like not a shot in the dark, it just uh-huh. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Good. Um, it's interesting, we, I've grown up, we both lived here like our whole lives and we don't really, mm-hmm. we never really knew what went on in the Darren school until we did this project so this is all like super interesting. really yeah 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 and also yeah I work mm-hmm. a lot with the, the special needs community I have a cousin with Angelman syndrome and I'm going into early intervention early childhood special ed stuff um, wonderful so it's like very interesting to hear the uh, more about this because I've kind of heard the like negative connotations about it but I've never heard the it, the negative works. connotations about ABA yeah, or about, about the Daron School? About ABA, not oh, the Daron School. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's, um, I mean, there's, um, it's a big field and it's mm-hmm. a misunderstood field, and there, I, I would say there are a lot of negative things to be said about it. Um, if you yeah. truly look into the history of ABA mm-hmm. and where, you know, that's a whole other topic because. Yeah. You know, the whole science behind understanding behavior lends itself to control. Right, yeah, right. Right? That's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. If you don't have the right people and, and the absolute right intentions and yeah. working, you know, from a, a standpoint of complete integrity, um, that it becomes a very dangerous situation. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it can be controversial, absolutely, and I understand that. Um, and I don't think you have a, a ton of programs out there that really take a hard look at that aspect of it, you know? Yeah. So even even between our two campuses, um, the 
the way that we utilize ABA is dramatically different because the student population is dramatically different. Right. Um, our, our, our campus in Montclair has a very, very different student population than our union campus. How old are your students? I, I'm sure I saw it earlier, but I forget. No, that's okay. Um, we have, um, we don't currently have a preschool here, but we, um, <laughs> we are licensed to accept preschoolers, but so we currently start at five. Um, and we go up to 21, and the Montclair campus is 13 to 21. And so those students at the Montclair campus um, are, you know, less students um, um, with ASD, um, cognitively and socially just more aware, and those students are probably dealing with more of the social issues that mm -hmm. you would see in a, in a typical high school. So it's you know, it's cer they're certainly not going to have discrete trials right, there. Right. Yeah. So very, very different, and it can, like I said, it can be very dangerous if you just implement it one-size-fits-all. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. well, yeah, well, thank yeah, we you, so, thank you much. so much. This was super helpful. Thank you. Oh, good. You're welcome. Well, um, anytime, if you're, I know you're in a, you know, your day is very structured there, but um, you have my information. You're welcome at any time to come and tour our school oh, and I can kind of show you yeah. some of these things um, you know and, and how they work in, in the real setting mm -hmm. um, and I'm also at our Montclair campus every Thursday oh, so okay. you'll get a different sense of kind of what it looks like over there but mm -hmm. you're certainly welcome to come and tour that program as well awesome. thank you so much yeah thank you yeah. have a nice rest yeah. of your day really nice thanks you too okay so the interview went really really well yeah she was awesome I totally blanked. She told us a lot of, yeah. Just take <laughs> She told the of ABA, but I feel like I have a fuller understanding of ABA and the fine line between conforming to social norms and being able to function in society. It sounds like the Duran School is very conscious of this and makes very individualized education plans for their students. Complete autonomy and compliance are dangerous and Duran School understands this. They don't want to create re robotic students. I think a conclusion I've come away with is on the issue of communication. Communication is not in one set form. We should not expect kids with disabilities to communicate with us in a way that is standardized by typical people. A phrase we use a lot at summer camp is meet kids where they're at. We should not expect kids with disabilities to conform or comply to an unjust society. We must adjust our society make, to make it more equitable for them. Everyone communicates in different ways and society should be accept, able to accept this. I think that this is why initially I was turned off by ABA therapy. The Daron School recognizes this and makes a strong effort to individualize and make sure they do the, what's best for their students. The Daron School understands that sometimes standard communication is a necessity for survival in our society. It sucks, but it's the truth. I think that the question we come away with is how do we define success in the face of survival?